Hello, everybody. It's so lovely to be back with Book Club. There is nothing that brings me more delight, actually, than talking about fabulous books with fabulous friends. And uh, that is what the Grown Up Girls Report is all about, particularly Book Club. So uh, we have a beauty for you today. It is called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by American therapist and New York Times bestselling author, Laurie Gottlieb. So before I get into my chat with the lovely Mandy Newman, I just want to reassure you of something. Now, this book is basically the story of Laurie Gottlieb's journey in therapy alongside the story of four of her patients who she's looking after as their therapist. And these stories are very detailed and they're very personal, but she has gone out of her way to protect the identity of the patients that she, whose story she shares. In fact, they had to provide written permission to be involved in the book, but there is nothing identifying about about them at all. So please don't feel that these stories have been shared unprofessionally or that you're reading something that in fact you shouldn't because that is not the case at all. The stories that she shares are very much true to the spirit of her patients, but by no means do they reveal their identities. So we could all relax because this is an incredible book. It's probably one of my favorite actually of 2020. There is so much to be learned from it. So many aha moments as I as I came to call them as I was reading the book and I want to read it again and I've only just finished it. So I really hope you enjoy my chat with Mandy and our discussion about this book as much as the both of us loved reading it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is such a pleasure, Alex. So I love nice. these chats. I, I, I actually yearn for a podcast chat. I, and I, I'm so grateful that we're reading so many fantastic books. I know. And you know, I feel privileged. I feel um, enriched and I have greater wisdom about life and the universe and people as a consequence of reading that. I agree. And mm. you, know, you were the one that suggested this. Yes, because I heard her on um, Conversations with Richard yes, Feidler. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we are talking, everybody, about the book of the week, um, Fortnight Rather, called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Laurie Gottlieb. Now, Laurie is a New York Times bestselling author. She's the um, author of the uh, the Dear Therapist column in The Atlantic, which yep. if you're in the US, it's a, it's a big yes. deal. Yeah, fantastic deal. And um, it is really the story of her journey in therapy. Plus, mm. she focuses on four four patients as well. She mm. takes through the therapy journey mm. and all the all the insights and 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 wisdoms that I suppose she collects along the way. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It is I so beautiful. And I, and I think um, one of the reasons why it's such a great book is it's written by a woman who has been a journalist at some of the top. Yes. Uh, newspapers and journals and whatever in the United States for years and it shows. Doesn't it? It's so, it's interesting. Like it's a combination of dense and easy to read. Totally right. Don't you think? It is incredibly easy to read oh. but yet it's not light. No, no. God, it's not light it's at all. It's not light and flippant. Like it's incredibly oh deep. It's incredibly so deep. It's so insightful. I have to go back and write that down and <laughs> tell everybody and I have. I've, there's so many. I have um, screenshotted some key bits of there and I must have told ten people. Wow. Oh, do you know blah, 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 yeah. blah, because it ch- provides so much insight, particularly to women of our age. I think so too. Although I can see that oh, it's got multiple applications. Multiple applications because she, the four patients she focuses oh, on, are all very different stages. Some various members of my family think, now 
Yes. <laughs> They've had little words of wisdom yes. shared with them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so what's it about? So, so Laurie is, she's a perfectly happy psychotherapist living mm. in LA. She's got this divine Doing man of her LA dreams. Totally yeah. right on the go who seems to just be incredibly attentive and wonderful. Yes. She's got an eight-year-old son. Yeah. She's got this practice. Things are going well. Yeah. But then all of a sudden the man of her dreams boyfriend, as she refers mm. to him, drops a big bombshell. Mm. He wants out and mm. she did not see this coming. Mm-mm. In fact, she had envisaged this she? life with him. Yeah, well, We'll get to that. She envisage this life with him she was just gutted and devastated mm. and I think he had told her that he doesn't want to have any kids to look he's after he's done he doesn't want to have a kid teen- hanging teenagers. out and they've gone off Who, to college yes. mm. so he is out and she is <laughs> devastated mm. and she's gutted mm. she's gutted the stories we tell ourselves Alex yes. and the narratives that we oh, construct oh man that is the most powerful message yes, for me I know, actually I from know. this book God, life is a novel honestly yeah. And the story we tell ourselves yes. very much sets the tone yes. for our and, entire and life. And how much people represent mm. particular stories. Mm. And homes yes. represent uh, symbol, symbols and oh, it's incredible. I agree. I mm. agree. So she's fallen apart. She's not coping. Yes. Yes. So one of her friends suggests maybe you should talk to someone. Mm. So she gets a referral to this wonderful um, therapist called Wendell, Wendell. who is carding and donning yeah. and khaki wearing and mm. probably a little bit dorky mm. but in a beautifully warm, gorgeous way. Mm, mm, mm. And so for the first couple of sessions she just cries like a baby, yeah. howls, as one does yeah, when pain, they're experiencing pain grief. Pain of losing yeah, someone she loves. Yeah, Absolutely. And angry. Yeah. So she continues to see Wendell every week. Mm. But then she also has patients on the go herself mm. and she starts to introduce us to these patients mm. that she sees mm. um, and there are four patients that she mm. focuses on so who was your favorite out of the four? Oh, that's hard I love John so we've got John let's run through we've got okay. John so he's John's horrible a, the most unlikable person you could ever mm. imagine did you mm. have that experience initially I did yes initially but it oh, changed well this is the thing she's like she writes with such great humanity and that's because of the way she's constructed the totally. novel the, the book yeah which I'm just in Armand Bar because I, I just think it's a fantastic, the, the whole thing, because it's not just her story. No. That, which would make it a very memoir yeah. kind of, This is what happened to me and I went yeah. to therapy and I learnt all that. But the because she adds these other four st- narratives, which are so compelling, these people are in so much pain. So much pain. Dealing with like dreadful things which you are not aware of until well into the well the into the event, book. Of course. And it's, um, these people are so, un- some of them are so unlikable. Like John. Yes. And then bang. I know. Rita. Revelation. I loved Rita. So Rita is an older lady yes. and she was, she, she'd had Friendless. a lot of. Yeah, but she had sad, a lot of grief sad, in her sad, life. Sad, sad. Very, very sad. Angry. Yep. Unlikable. Indeed. Yeah, okay. So we had John. We've got Rita. Julie. Then we had Julie who was unwell and had mm. a lot of health challenges. Mm. And then we had Charlotte. Yes. And Charlotte struggled with commitment. She struggled yes. with alcohol. Yes. Struggled with young, managing, making woman. good decisions, young let's woman. be honest. Yes. A millennial that just really yes. struggled with decision-making as a result of family yes. you know, and baggage. And falls in love with the wrong people. Indeed. Absolutely. So we Looking have the stories. Love in all the wrong places. Exactly. Yeah. So we Sorry. have the stories of these four patients. Mm. Plus we also have Laurie's story, yes. her journey, and yes. she sees Wendell. And um, and she goes on her own journey. But what mm. I think is so interesting, Mandy, for me is, like you said before, it's all about the story we tell ourselves. Yes. And how when a lot of people start to open up, they don't realise that they're well, lying's not quite the right, right word, but they're not revealing everything. No. And that was so apparent in all four of those patients mm. plus, oh. plus it's, you know. It's mind-boggling. Laurie, I suppose that's Laurie the herself. dramatic, the power of dramatic irony. Mm. That's what Laurie's doing mm. because there's this slow reveal as a reader, you're going, oh, my God, I mm. didn't realise that. No. And 
And then, of course, what you do is you say, I must have experienced people like that when they were in this much pain, not realising it. I mean, that's what good fiction or any kind of writing does, makes you look at your own life and own narratives and the own stories that you Mm. tell and what you're attached to, which can be separate to what the person, because that's what Wendell does. Exactly right. So when when she turns up to Wendell, it's all about boyfriend, Mm. and then Wendell, she very quickly realises, has identified that. That's the presenting problem. But that's probably only one layer of what's really going on. Yes. And that happens again with all of her four patients. I know. This sort of interplay between the patient and the therapist is very it's clever, isn't it? It's really, really clever. Satisfying. Yeah, I agree. So I suppose the biggest revelation is that there's so much more to everyone's story than what's initially yes. revealed. Yes. And, and you know, we edit things out and we tell, yes. tell ourselves a story, but obviously that's not always beneficial for yeah, us. Yeah, and which that is- therapy can actually offer so much help. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was quite interested too in the book when she talks about the num- that the numbers of people that are actually presenting to therapy have gone down has gone down but then i also read that they actually can't get any definitive research on it because yes. people are not wanting to admit yeah. that they go to therapy oh, yeah that's true you know so but also yeah but people are also use or being prescribed drugs mm. to deal with things as they present rather than not necessarily doing the doing longer the term thing of change yeah. which is you know as we know incredibly difficult incredibly and confronting and yes emotional. and that's what's also good about this book if you haven't done any therapy it's such a great introduction it into is it such because, a great introduction oh, and that of was things. one of her biggest motivations so when she's interviewed she will actually right from the get-go basically say she wanted to demystify therapy yeah, and it and does she does that so yes, well so i think that it's um just even talking like about what the great psychologist you know jung said this and erickson said mm-hmm. that that's what i've been sharing mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. And no, I agree. Erickson and his observation about um, women or people at the 50s, whether or not, now these are my great notes, whether or not at middle age you're into generativity, so action mm-hmm. or versus stagnation, mm-hmm. that rung very true. Very much so. And for older age, yep. integrity versus despair. Interesting, and I know. And the two types of people that you meet yeah. very boldly. But yeah, no, I agree. I love this book, Rita. It. No, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. So, so Mandy, why did we choose this book? Well, you, you heard, obviously, you've well, heard it on heard Conversations. Her, yeah, and I think I can't even, I was thinking about that this morning and I can't even remember what particularly um, I found so compelling. Like I couldn't tell you specifically. I just thought it sound, she sounded fantastic. Yeah. I love the idea. Yeah. Um, and I just, and I'm always interested, you know, we go to this, well, my GP always says, you know, you must achieve wellness. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought that was great. But then she says you should, then you go for greatness. Yeah, I like it. And but part of wellness is not, it's not just a physical health thing. No. It's very much a mind. Oh, Your mind is actually so I just found important. the book, I found, and I, anything that can help make life easier or make sense of life. Make sense of or life. Or help us move through pain. Yes, I'm in, I'm going for it. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I thought the book might and be that, interesting. This book actually yeah, does and I that. Liked, I, at the beginning, I thought, oh, because mm, she's setting things up. Yes, but it just gets better. Oh, it gets better, better, better. doesn't it? No, I absolutely. So it came out 2019. And when it came out, it was the Amazon Book of the Year. Oh, was it really? So absolutely. Went I to the New York that. Times oh, bestseller list. Absolutely. It has. It got rave reviews. It was described um, by People Magazine as addictive. Heartwarming yes. by the Oprah yes. magazine, revealing by Entertainment Weekly, searing by the Washington Post. I agree with all of that. Ariana Huffington, who we all love, yes. the founder of Huffington Post, says this is a daring, delightful, and transformative book. I just cried, Alex. I like cried too. Like Although, such... actually, I'll be honest, I cried about halfway through and then I couldn't stop. Then I got on the roll. Everything I, I turned another page, but it oh. took me a while to get there. But when I did, it was like I was embarrassing. I, know, and I was right? reading it's it in like, public. Oh. Oh. 
I know. Because mm. it resonated, man. I know. It totally resonated. And particularly with those four characters, when you get to the later part of the oh, book, Mandy. it's just like, oh, my God. I agree. What people have to deal with. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And how humane people are, you know. Oh. No. It was, it's very raw. It's very raw. Very, it's beautiful. Very, it's very, a very beautiful. Raw. But it's not like I've read other books which are very difficult and painful it's ultimate, but it doesn't make it doesn't leave you with that heaviness of no because you know, yeah. I think she just uses humor so beautifully. Mm. Like it is funny. Like there yes. were some moments where I was in the mm, same cafe, I'd, I'd laugh, then I'd cry, mm. and just just her, her wry observations. So, but that's and, her great skill and artistry as an author. Absolutely, then, to to blend all yeah, that beautifully. Absolutely, mm. and see, she's that's so true. interesting, Laurie, because she started life as a TV producer, a TV yes. a script editor for NBC. Yeah, so she worked on ER. And she Friends. worked on Friends. I know. You know. And then she didn't and she no. was drawn to the actual real life so medicine. Was, yeah. And so mm. it was when she was working on ER that she'd yeah. go on these and she would elect to go on behind the scenes tour. Mm. With, there was a guy that was working, I think, in the local hospital that would yes. actually be their advisor and come and yes. make sure they were putting IVs in properly mm. and not killing patients, you know, obviously during filming. Um and uh and so she wanted to go behind the scenes and she couldn't get enough of it. Mm. So she enrolled in medical school and she nearly finished. Yes. Which is intriguing. Mm. Um but then she decided that this would be yeah, she wanted to be a with great people. combination because story was so important mm. to her. And she actually quotes, and I'm going to find it here, that she's always been drawn to stories, mm. um, not just what happens but how the story is told. Um, and in showing us how patients reveal just a part of their selves, I suppose, she gives us a dizzling, satisfying look at, at narratives. So, yeah, she is, um, she's incredible. And so now she, and she also has her own podcast now. Oh, But, Mandy, course. But I know, like everyone does. Hello, welcome to the podcast. But I have to tell you what I did check out. So in 2019, she did a TED Talk. Oh, okay. On how you can change your story. Gosh, I have to watch yeah. that. Oh, my God, Mandy, it is incredible. So oh, just, really? I, yeah, okay. So oh. I just want to go through the TED Talk. So it was a, it was one of the 10 most top watched in 2019, this wow, TED Talk. Wow, I've missed all this. But it's funny, when I when I listened to it the first time, I was late last night and I was a bit tired. I went, oh, okay. And I listened to it this morning and then it was a powwow moment. Wow. So in... In summary, the TED Talk, she talks about how every letter she gets when she writes for The Atlantic is just is, is a story from an author. But basically our story is the way we make sense of our lives. Yes. But quite often our stories can be destructive I and they know. cannot be helpful and they can actually be very, very limiting. So so she actually shares this story of a woman that writes in basically saying she thinks her husband's having an affair. Okay. Okay. And then she actually talks about that if we can change our stories, we can change our lives and that our job is to edit our stories. Mm. And then she actually shares another story and that is the same story from another perspective. Mm. And this is the story written from her husband the husband about what's going on in the relationship and he was mm-hmm. saying that he lost his father and he's been grieving and he feels like his wife doesn't understand him and he feels very alone and these stories are both about human connection mm. and she just says that if you're able to edit your story from another person's perspective how much richer it could be and that's when compassion and true healing occurs and life's about deciding what stories to listen to yes and which ones to edit <laughs> mm. and when it comes to the stories of our lives we should be aiming for our own Pulitzer Prize so, because it's so easy to slip into negative stories when you're yes. anxious and depressed. Yes. Well, um, they're very powerful. They're very powerful. They're very mm. powerful. So she says we need to think out what we want our story to be and then go craft our masterpiece. Mm. And it's it's a really, really good TED Talk. Well, that, that was one the one quote mm. that I let go of limiting stories. Yeah. You've told yourself about who you are so that you aren't trapped by them so you can live your life 
and not be trapped by them. Mm. Yeah, so, so it's, it's it's delineating yes. between the stories yes. and questioning them. Exactly, but she makes the point that when people are really depressed, they're not able to no. edit their own stories and that's, no. when they, that's when they need help yes. and that's when those stories can be even more destructive. Oh, dreadful. Shocking. Like down you go, down the yeah, rabbit hole. Absolutely yeah. right, absolutely right. So um, so when she wrote the book, I think I mentioned before, she wanted to demystify therapy mm-hmm. and there's this great quote and you would remember it from early on in the book about how therapy is like porn. Did you remember, did you remember reading that one? Okay. I think I did actually. Yeah. It's a really good quote. So she says that therapy is like porn. Both involve a kind of nudity. That's both true. have the potential to thrill and both have millions of users, most of whom keep their use private. Mm. These and, and there are stats that have attempted to quantify how many people in therapy, but the results are skewed because people don't always want to admit that they're going. Um, so she wants to demystify mm. therapy. But it's funny because in Australia we don't even use the word therapy. We use no. seeing well, psychologists. People don't even talk about it. They don't, I don't much, think. Do and they? if you do, it's like true confession. I agree. Lowered voice. It's quite taboo, isn't it? Mm. And it shouldn't be like that. Oh, no, I wish more people would oh go. Oh, my God. I am such a fan. Mm. I'm such a fan. I think of over, all over the years with my boys and then even when my boys were little and I had, had a couple of significant bouts of postnatal depression, I would not have got through if I didn't mm. actually have some great people to help me navigate mm. it, particularly when you're depressed. It's so hard to see well, out. Well, I think I can't remember what the the um parallel idiot compassion she talks oh, yes, about yes yes oh. yes yes i love that and wise compassion absolutely and if you can find someone because you must shop around mm. but if you can find somebody who's wiser than you mm. and can draw on all that knowledge that's been accumulated over thousands of centuries my god life-changing mm. absolutely life-changing absolutely life-changing so um she also so she basically wants to get people in a therapy room that, that's mm. her motivation but she says that um you know, people often ask her what therapists are thinking and she does deal with that in the book mm. a little bit because people want to be liked by their therapist. Yes. And she makes the confession that she Google stalked Wendell. Mm. She just couldn't help herself. Well, everybody would do that. Yeah. You? Yeah. you want to know. Although you might want to know who you're dealing with or sometimes you don't because of your own preconceptions or misconceptions. Like I, I did that myself recently. Um, I worked with somebody and um a creative mentor, well, like and that. I didn't do a search. Okay, I just went for because it because I knew that I would be cynical. Yeah, about sort of the worlds that she works in, and I'm so glad that I didn't Good. because I was actually open to what she said, and it's probably been the best thing that I've Isn't that done. Amazing? Mm. That's so amazing. In terms of um, rewriting old programs, and because I suppose that's why mental I, programs. Well, this thing about the stories, the, the limiting stories mm. and nag- uh, narratives and yeah. programs. That, yeah. yeah. Kick them to the curb. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I listened to my misconceptions and prejudices. I get it. Mm. I totally get it. And I think she talks about in the book how she Googles Wendell and she finds a piece of writing that I think her mother shared yes. online. Yes, yes, yes. About Wendell's his history. Yes. yes. And his father died when he was quite young, yes. he was 10. And as part of her journey, she's workshopping her relationship with her father who's, mm. who's 80. And then she feels quite guilty for actually mm. sharing that part of her story, which is causing her some pain and she yeah. needs to, you know, get some help on it because she thinks that Paul Wendell lost his dad at 10. How, how dare she? So yeah. it's probably not ideal, is it? I think that was actually a really interesting takeaway. Mm. Need to sort of neut- keep it as neutral as possible. Oh, oh, but because then she confesses. She and, does eventually, and, and that, was, that was resolved. Yeah, But I think but, you need to. I think you have to. Oh, the one thing I've learnt this year, and I think that's another thing that I got from the book, is um, feelings are like weather systems. They blow in and out. And that honesty 
they, don't judge your feelings, notice them. Mm. I don't think you've just got to be honest. Oh, Honesty 100%. is just it's full transparency, it's very painful. But, um, and it was, it was a roadblock. If yes. she wasn't honest with him, it would have um, interfered with their relationship. It was yes. very obvious. It was a couple of sessions yes. and he noticed that she was holding back. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I don't think you have to have any choice. No. I think you have to. But a lot of people don't do that. Well, I know. You know, that's Most the people issue. don't. That, most well, people don't. I know someone very well, very close to me, who was going to therapy for a number of years. And I would say, did you talk about A, B, C, or D? No. And this very um, powerful person would say, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, what else are they talking about? Oh my God, that's why you're going exactly to therapy. Right. Because totally they're right. supposed to help you. Yeah. They don't need to know that. So right. Good luck with that. Isn't that And there was no change as a consequence. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very interesting. But most very people, and it is hard being honest. I mean, and it, it is very, very confronting. Mandy. Mm. It's very uncomfortable. So the other thing that um, when she's interviewed I thought was interesting, she's often asked whether she finds it hard to deal with all the problems. Like at the end of the day, yes. is she just overwhelmed? That's a very common yeah. feeling you would have about a therapist. Yeah. Yes. But she says no. Mm. In fact, she sees it quite differently, that she sees that a lot of it is listening and a lot of it is witnessing people um, out of their comfort zone, undertaking, she calls them heroic moments, and she feels mm. so proud of them. And and, and actually that was, That's if you true, think about no. her interactions with those four patients, mm. there was she had felt so much pride, didn't she, in, yes. in their journeys? Yeah. And she wasn't annoyed with them no. either. On the, no, I mean, if anything, it shows that why wouldn't you go to a therapist because somebody's actually listening to you and yeah. not judging you. No, not necessarily judging you. Not judging necessarily you. Yeah, no. Necessarily. <laughs> necessarily. No, I totally understand exactly mm. what you mean. So, and, 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 and people often in interviews as well ask her, you know, what, do you, what would you say to someone who's contemplating therapy? And she will say, being healthy is as much about our emotional health yes. as, our, as our physical health. Yes, why health. wouldn't you? Absolutely. And she said people will often delay it and delay it and delay it until there's a big crisis, until she calls it an emotional heartache. Mm. But she says at that stage it's like it's a crisis. Mm. Best to, you know, get in early. And it's um, just the symptom. Yeah, totally the presenting mm. problem. No, and then people will say to her as well, people will say, oh, it's not that big a deal, it's only a small issue. But she says therapists don't have any hierarchy to pain. If you're in pain, you're in pain and you yeah. need to be seen and you need to be yes. helped. Yes. Well, that was so refreshing. Yes, that's good. Yeah, I mean, all grief is grief. doesn't matter what it is. It's, I know. Yeah. Exactly. And we can't judge. Like Catholics will always try and put a hierarchy to Indeed. pain. Yes. Okay, if you're this and X number of terrible things have happened to you, that's maybe significant. you can grieve about that. But if it's something small, just mm. get over it. Mm. Well, that, yeah, her message is complete. The complete yes, antithesis yes, of the exactly. Catholic and, and, and I think it's much more helpful. Mm, indeed. Our favourite aha moments from the book. Now, you've already mentioned this one before. I think we both agree. Oh. Idiot compassion. Yes. We, <laughs> but we think of it so differently. Yes, I know. It's so extraordinary. How did you understand idiot compassion? What I thought was don't tell your story to people who are well-intentioned but are just basically unhelpful. Right. That was my definition sure. of idiot compassion. Or, and that sounds really mean and I'm very sorry about that, share your story with people who are wise and who are compassionate. But Isn't that interesting? I can't keep saying <laughs> what I want to say because it's, really, it's quite rude and offensive. No, 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 not at all. No, no, no. That's not, that's <laughs> not offensive. My friend, that's it. They're going to go, am I an idiot compassion person? <laughs> an idiot compassion provider. See, I didn't see it like that at I all. I know. It's oh, so interesting. Incredible. So how did you take it? Idiot compassion as the compassion you give to people who are going through a hard time, but it's the sort of like the oh, you're the, so the, sweet. The no, but then, you and that's why I, exactly, and that's why it's mean. What I've said because everybody comes from a place of kindness. 
and you know trying to do the best they can okay someone didn't get a promotion at work for example yeah. okay and you didn't get a promotion at work and you go mm. oh my god I'm so upset you didn't get the promotion at work and I go oh yeah I know what a pain you so deserved it but I also know that you actually don't get to yeah, work but some on people time don't every want day. To hear that you don't get Alex. to work on time every day. Maybe yeah. you steal office supplies yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. So I sort of think, oh, okay, well, you probably didn't deserve it. But I'm not going to tell you that yeah. because I'm your friend and I and I and I want to champion your cause. Yeah. But that's how I understood mm. idiot compassion. Yeah, was that, that's and isn't that interesting? And but I, also, I wouldn't want you to stop being kind to people because, on the other hand, people are not ready to hear the truth, no. as this book actually demonstrates. Yeah, and so she said the opposite to idiot compassion is delivering truth bombs. Yes, which can be quite which, yeah, confronting. Which, uh, yes, as someone who has a long history of doing that. <laughs> of delivering truth bombs, it doesn't go well. No, either. It's, it's a balance. Way. It's a balance. Most people do not want advice, so don't proffer it unless people wanted often they just want support I agree but then I did think that and I don't think I provide idiot compassion no I don't but think I, so no I don't but I, I but I but I'm thinking now that there's probably certain people in my life like you know like particularly close friends and family members so next time there is an issue and they just want me to soothe them and ooh and ah and I can think of a compassionate way in which I can deliver a little bit of truth I'm actually going to do so. Mm. Mm. Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> well, could be a disaster. A similar, an interesting encounter recently with someone whose marriage broke down. This is exactly what happened and it was it's unpleasant what's happened. And I was with a friend and I was doing exactly that. I was providing idiot compassion. Oh, you, put, you know, this is terrible, blah, 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 blah. And then my friend came out with the biggest truth bomb, like early, very early into the conversation. I wouldn't have done it for a couple of mm. hours, perhaps, if at all. And it changed. It, 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 I was absolutely shocked. Wow. And I don't think it was the most gratefully received. Right. But Has she warmed up again now no. to you? Okay. Well, not to, well, both of us actually. <laughs> but what my friend was doing was actually protect, was speaking in the interests of an older child in, in relation to the family. The tricky one. Well, she it? was representing her interests, which I thought was actually a really lovely thing to do, but people aren't ready no, to hear the truth sometimes. No, I know. And that's got to be, I don't know, it's very complicated. It's very it? complicated. There are no, there is no black or white um, response to that. But it did make me, it did, it did make me question yes. my, my soothing. Because I think as a friend, your role is to soothe and your role is yeah. to support. But you want to make sure that you're not doing that and indulging or or perhaps perpetuating bad behaviour. You can see that there's destructive bad behaviour going on and you, you can't be soothing that. That then no. becomes idiot compassion. But some people have also, um, yeah, they've had a particular life journey, but some people may have had really, really tough mm. experiences and that leaves a legacy of a certain certain characteristics. And sometimes it's only people who understand that who can provide yes. the type of wise compassion that they mm -hmm. need because those people might be reverting to old programs or old or have developed behaviours because of those incidences. And so idiot compassion is very helpful and useful and supportive, but it may not grind down to the, it probably to the big issues. Problems. No. No. And then really is the role of a therapist to provide the yes, wise compassion. Yes, and that's what I think. You know? Please, please, please mm. go and, and as I said, well, I keep mm. saying, shop around. If you don't like the person, go and find somebody oh, else. Get off and because it goes. can change. Yep. The wise compassion can really change your life. I agree. Okay, next aha moment. Peace does not mean no noise, trouble or hard work. It means to be in the midst of the, those things and still be calm in your heart. Mm. That's where I want to be. I love that. I know. I feel like as one goes through life, 
that is a much easier state to be in. If I look at my 20s or 30s, oh. I don't think I was there But you have to work harder. Like, you you've got to work here. No, I agree. State, or unless you grew up with some amazing psychologist so, parents yeah. who are very you know, no. in touch with their feelings, et cetera. Most people are not like that. Mm. And um, that is actually where I want to be. Where That's I'm, hashtag I'm life goals. It is. Don't you think? It is. I just love this book. I know. This book's just on so many levels. It's so much wise compassion. You don't even need to go to a therapist. Like, it, it's to start the journey. Great read the book. I agree. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree mm. more. Okay. I've got two or three more. Now, okay. this one doesn't relate to any pearls of wisdom, but it was just a term I'd never heard that I've called a Danny. Do you know what a Danny is? And it's not a name of a bloke. No. It's a dog, <laughs> I Danny. Did re- I did read. Oh, Danny, yes. Yes. I thinking, did I read that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny, I did. That's because Don, okay. one of the patients that she sees, she, he was referring to his Danny. And, ah, uh, yeah, yes, it's I the do dog, Danny. That. Okay, right. Yep. Very LA, my friend, very LA. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing was um, a, a quote Wendell was talking to Laurie um, when Laurie was, tra- when she was trying to explain to her that, you know, this was more than just boyfriend, the reason yes, that she I came loved, to see him. And the way him. he so gently navigated her absolutely mm. he made the point that your feelings hold important clues they sure do oh my gosh so don't ignore your feelings tap into them yeah. and sit with them because they can just they almost can provide well, you with a guidebook of where exactly, to go yes like she where to um, turn there was another don't judge your feelings mm. notice them exactly use them as your map don't be afraid mm. of the truth because the truth is terrifying sometimes. The truth is terrifying. See, that's my cat. Every yes, time I, I do a podcast, the cat <laughs> comes because it wants the succulent cheese food from Audi. Oh. Yeah, it's the deluxe brand. Oh. Mm, there we are. It has to wait. Absolutely. Okay. Now, there was another moment. I think this is where my tears started. Oh. There is this beautiful poem. So I think we might need to talk quickly about Julie. Julie yeah. is one of the patients that um, that Laurie sees. Now, mm. Julie had a cancer diagnosis mm. and then she didn't mm. and then she did. And like anyway, mm, it was a very amazing up and down, journey. Amazing yes. journey. And I think that out of all the journeys, I feel like that was the one that Laurie actually probably learnt the most from, helping mm. Julie guide herself mm. on that. Helping Julie on that journey almost helped inform her return to a better sort of um, balanced perspective yes oh it was incredibly inspiring Mm. absolutely so anyway so when julie got her cancer diagnosis um a friend of hers who had a child i think that was born with um with a disability Mm -hmm. she shared this poem with her called welcome to holland do you remember this and that is such a great the device again of that as a metaphor incredible life incredible Powerful, powerful, powerful. I agree, I agree. Mm. So this Welcome to Holland, it's a poem written by a woman called Emily Pearl Kingsley and she was a parent of a Down syndrome child and it's basically all about having your life expectations turned mm, upside mm, down. Mm, mm, mm. And, I look, it's a little long but I want to read it because I just thought, oh, it's two pages. Oh, go on. Um, I'm going to read it because I thought it was gorgeous. Mm. Okay, okay. So when you're going to have a baby, it's like you're planning a vacation to Italy. You get all excited. Mm. You get a whole bunch of guidebooks. You learn a new few phrases so you can get around. And then it comes time to pack your bags and head for the airport. Only when you land, the stewardess says, welcome to Holland. You look at one another in disbelief and shock saying, Holland, what are you talking about? I signed up for Italy. But they explain that there must have been a change of plans, that you've actually landed in Holland and uh, there you must stay. But I don't want to know anything about Holland, you say. I don't want to stay. But stay, you do. You go out and buy some new guidebooks. You learn some new phrases and you meet people you never knew existed. Mm -hmm. The important thing is that you are not in a bad place filled with despair. You're simply in a different place than you had planned. Mm. It's a slower place in Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there a little while and you've had a chance to catch your breath, you begin to discover that Holland has windmills. 
Holland mm. has tulips. Mm. Holland has Rembrandts. But everyone else you know is busy coming and going from Italy. They're all bragging about what a great time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you'll say, yes, that's what I had planned. The pain of that will never go away. Mm. You have to accept that pain because the loss of that dream, the loss of that plan is a very, very significant loss. Yeah. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to go to Italy, you will never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Mm. I just, Mandy, oh, that really? got me. I, yeah. that, isn't that interesting to mm. look at a book and we yeah, all think oh, no, of I loved things. it too. I, I mean, it just is so deeply resonant, not obviously mm. in the same way to you, but it's such a wonderful life lesson. Oh, it is. I remember when... Um, when you know two of my younger two boys were quite sick when mm. the younger one was in year six and he didn't really get to school in year six mm. and um so we was very much at home for the bulk of the year and everyone was going through all the exciting things they normally do in mm. year six and there was this the snow excursion mm. and um they'd be going to parties and they'd be talking about getting to soccer teams and all the mm. rest of it and we didn't do anything that year and I just remember thinking looking at social media thinking if only you just understood what it's like to have a child that's somewhere like a belly walk, mm, he mm. can barely get around and he's a lot better now and it's all good and, and mm. you know, I'm very grateful for that. But that, I suppose, for a year yeah. I was in Holland. Yeah, we've well, been in Holland sort of yeah, a number of times. Yeah, a number of times actually with those those two mm. boys. But there was a while where I felt quite ripped off mm. and on, it's on his behalf understandable. as well. Yeah. It just, because it's about the narrative, like coming back at the whole thing because that's what they unpack. That's what Wendell unpacks with Laurie is the narrative. It's this powerful mm. story that mm. she had because that's what he says to her eventually about um, the boyfriend. It's what he represented totally. in terms of the life that exactly. he off, well, symbolised. And that's these are the stories that we tell ourselves that if, when we have a family it's going to be like this sure. and it's all, we're going to do what everybody else does. And Yep, I know. And it's about trying to find the joy. It's acknowledging the grief for what you haven't got mm. and then trying to find mm. the joy in the present. It's Absolutely. actually it's living in the present. It's living in the present. And Here that's and very now. hard when that's not where you want to be. No. I mean, do you want to go no. to Holland? Let me tell you. Yes. It took a lot of time to yes. uh, to, to find the tulips when I was there. Yes, yes. It really did. So I thought that was incredible. Um, the other thing, another, another quote that I think uh, she made was when she was referring to people who were depressed, she said that most transformation comes from about from thousands of tiny steps. Mm. It's not just one thing mm -hmm. that's going to actually help you get back on the, no. the journey to, to wellness. It's it's multiple things that need to happen all in in, in, in close proximity. Um, the other thing was follow your envy. It shows you what you want. Yes. Yes. Well, that actually that, that happened to me recently, actually, when I was seeing this creativity mentor. Mm. I, I said that because um, Ruby had got, well, had got a job at a really fantastic place in a beautiful part of Sydney and I remember feeling envious about Ooh. that and she said to me, I told her that, she said, what's that about you? What are you missing out in your life? That you're not, I went, oh, that's a really good point. Isn't that interesting? Mm. That's only tiny and this yeah. is only in the last six months. Yeah. 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 But like sit in that moment and yes. workshop it because you can do a you deep think, dive okay, and address right. something. Wow. Right. What is it I'm not doing? Yeah. I know. Interesting, isn't it? Album's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. 
Now, the other thing, Mandy, and this resonated with me on another level, and maybe you didn't, it's towards the end of the book, and she talks about this Austrian psychiatrist called Viktor Frankl. Oh, I actually want to go and buy that book. Oh, my God. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Yes. So I want to share this story, people, because this was a, this is a bit like a welcome to Holland for me. Mm. So, um, so Victor was a, a psychiatrist born in mm. 1905. He was always had this natural interest in psychology. Mm. He corresponded regularly with Freud, mm. which I thought was incredible. Mm. Um, he studied medicine and um, and then he went on to lecture um, on something called logotherapy, which he described as the intersection between medicine and philosophy. Yeah. So then um, World War Two broke mm. and um, he was married at that stage and then and he was a Jewish man and the Nazis insisted that he and his wife terminated pregnancy. His wife mm. was pregnant. Anyway, and he was actually offered um, residency in the yes, US. Yes, he could get out. Yeah, but mm. he said no, he didn't want to leave his family, mm-hmm. which I thought was an incredibly brave and brave act. So they all went off to concentration camps, which yes. is terribly sad. And three years later he emerged and discovered his wife had died, mm. his brother and both mm. his parents. Mm which is really sad. Now, a little unlike Freud, now Freud believed that life was all about people, 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 the meaning of life for people was to seek pleasure. Mm. But he believes that for people to get a balanced meaning of life is they wanted to understand what it was all about, the yes. meaning of life that yes. was there. I think I need to express it a bit more clearly. Yeah, yeah express it. Okay, it very good, very yeah. good. Um, so, I love that part. part oh, of the my God. Mm. I thought it was incredible. So, so, so obviously he's come out of World War II. He's lost his wife, his parents and mm. his brother. And this could have led to great despair, but in fact, he actually wrote this incredible piece on um, on resilience and spiritual salvation mm. called "Man's Search for Meaning." And he just, dis- I know, and he mm. shares his theory of logotherapy like this: that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing—the last of human freedoms—to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And yep. then he went on to remarry. He had a daughter. He published prolifically, yeah, and he travelled around the world and spoke until mm. he died and he's at been age ninety-two. Like the worst, actually. When when we were talking about this book, I I thought uh, I haven't read his book, but I've read some extracts of it, and also it reminded me of Primo Levi's "If This Is a Man," okay. which is another right. account of okay. surviving Auschwitz. Uh, it's incredible. It's the most moving, humane book. But it's it's all coming back to what we we're talking about about dealing with the challenge of disappointment, yes, or sadness or grief. And still trying to find joy. Absolutely right. Absolutely. A flower. Yeah, totally right. Exactly. And adjusting your story to ensure that you can continue to see the tulips and the daffodils as life progresses. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. And be responsible for your own happiness. Mm. And it doesn't have to be something that's external because mm. you can actually do it inside, which is what I learned of my creativity mentor. See, she sounds like a great lady. She what? Yeah. Selfing. She, her is selfing. Is actually selfing. Become, yes, selfing. Because what you're doing, you, A, you've got to be, the first thing she said to me was, Mandy, you've got to be responsible for your own happiness. And I went, oh. I mean, it doesn't sound like something amazing, but it actually is. Mm. And then what you, because she picked up the old Catholic thing about, oh, if you do self-interest, that's sort of um, selfish. Sure. Into that well, kind of. How, I, I was in the Protestant yes. branch, but I still got the oh, same you don't message. want to think about yourself. No, you know, blah, blah, blah. no. But if you're not thinking about yourself and what are the things that you love, then that's when it all starts, yeah. things start to unravel. So what you actually need to do is self, selfing. Wow. So increase the activities which are all joyful for me. Yes. Music, dancing, singing, walking, moving, which is quite unusual for a person who hasn't really moved much for the last 30 years, or sang. And I yeah. do those things now and I cannot tell you, Alex. Incredible. It's been, every it's time been a I feel down-ish going, I thought, go and play the guitar. Yeah, wow. 
It's incredible. And I can do that. You can you can sing anywhere. Anywhere. In a concentration camp. You could. And, and many of them did yeah, turn did. to those sort of Because they're still humane. Self-soothing Yes, activities. community. Yeah. So interesting, isn't it? So interesting. So I'd put that, I don't know, I, that book is really powerful. I agree. It's a very, very mm. powerful book. And the only other aha moment for me was um, towards the end, a uh, comment that secrets are like psychic poison. And then again, like we said earlier back on, to honesty. back to honesty, back to transparency, oh. but that can be really confronting, you know, oh. really confronting. Well, that's what's so, again, that the way she tells the story, with the, particularly with John and Rita, Yes, that slow unravelling yes. of what the truth yes. is and the secrets yes. are revealed and it's just like, Bang, bang, wow. bang. There were some big think? moments there completely. Oh. But the journey they went on, the journey and and how much more warmth and love was in their life. And that yes. and at the end of the day, the, the connections they were able to make mm. with people, which is mm. to be honest, to tell that, the truth. That, that's that's what this book is all about. Yes. How you can actually make better connections with people by mm. better understanding yourself. Yes. That was for me, that was it was yes. a big message. So so it's interesting this book because it's it's not because it's a memoir. It's not like there was a big turning point at the end. It no. was this beautiful, slow, I suppose, unraveling. It was the journey, not really mm. the conclusion. Because mm. there were so yeah. many. Well, actually, I wasn't wisdoms. that interested in the like the last. I, I flicked through the last couple of pages mm. to uh, to see is there a big thing that I have missed? No, it, and it was more like just the sort of coming to the end, mm. like a ritual end of a particular sort of relationship. But because there's lots of them, so many and there's so of many them. of them throughout the whole book. Alex, we've obviously had the same I know. You know, experience. Like screenshot, screenshot, screen write it down, write it down, write it down. And I want to go back and actually buy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've highlighted, but I feel like I could get a different a different color and do it again. Like yeah, there's, there's just, just so, so many much amazing useful. stuff in it. I thought it was great. When, I think it's useful if your pro your project, or if your idea is to be responsible for your own, is regulating your own emotions. And I have to say, Mandy, that I think particularly as we, you know, yes. live in the, in the midst of, of midlife, yes. a lot of people are very interested in that. I think we've yes. actually got a bit of space now oh, in look, midlife honestly, to almost clean up all, yes. of, all, of, the, all well, of the issues and trauma you know, that we, we have collected over Eric the last 15, 20 thing. years. Do you want to, I mean, a lot of marriages, like the problem is women, generativity, so eager to burst mm. out and to do stuff, whereas husband can be in stagnation mm. state. I'm quite totally. happy here. Thank you very much. Totally. And then when you get to 70, which was Rita's story, despair because of unfulfilled. Absolutely. And that's another thing that this person said to me, how are you going to feel in 20 years' time? Because I will be 70 yep. if you haven't done I these know. things that you wanted to do. And I, I was like, oh. I know. <laughs> do you know, time is think running about out. That. I often think about when I'm lying on the deathbed yes, in the nursing home yes. and I've got all my kids around and hopefully some beautiful girls and it was well, um, I think I don't want to have any regrets. No. That, oh, I think about that all the time. And the other thing she said is what are you telling your kids? What yeah. are you? And that, that was the one that really yes. was a bit of a king hit for me because yeah. I thought I have loved singing and I was in a band in my 20s um, all my life and I, I haven't done it. I didn't do it for 20 years. Mm. If someone no. said to me during the week, I don't know, I've never even heard you sing. And I thought, oh, wow. I don't that I want to be, you know, no. Beyonce or Billy well, Eilish or anything. But it's such an integral part of me. Yeah, exactly not right. have done it. Imagine getting to 70. I just know. Be, oh, no, I know. It was a little bit like I, when I was little, 
my whole life was ballet and dance. Yeah. Never allowed to do jazz because that was too sexual. Oh, really? But yeah, but that's okay. Okay, my role over that now. Footloose. Yeah, well, no, that was too yeah. naughty. It was too naughty. So lots and lots of ballet and character and, and all the rest of it. And um, and then I stopped when I got to 17, just mm. stopped, went from six classes a week to nothing. Mm. And then when I was 40, yeah. I started. So I've been doing it now for another for eight years, nine years. And you love it, don't oh, you? Oh, my God. I could not imagine a week without it. Although at and the how moment, many times do you go a week? So I go twice. Yeah. I go usually on a Wednesday and then. Um, on a Friday for three classes on a Friday and once on a Wednesday. That's amazing, Which Alex. is really good, although I haven't been able to go the last couple of weeks yeah. because I was doing the splits, oh. as you oh, know. Yes. How is your leg? It's That's very amazing. sore still. Oh. <laughs> so I was being a little bit too competitive with my splits and I've, I've had a little bit of a hamstring injury. So, that is so um, tragic, but it is important. Incredibly impressive, Alex, that you, you can do the splits. Yeah, oh, not quite there, Mandy. On the left oh. leg, I can. On the right leg, I'm good. The left leg, and the that's fact why that you can even do them separately is extraordinary. Oh, that's why I was giving a little bit extra because I was determined to get there. Oh. I'm just too competitive. I've got to pull it back a bit. But anyway, I'm paying you're the price for that. So, but but that is such an important part of my life. And mm. my husband will always say to me, "Oh, you're so lucky. You've got dance." And it's not just for me about the dance. Mm. Like it's about the girls it's that I dance with. Oh, yeah, it's the community. Mm. It's we usually have a concert and mm. there's something to but work towards. There's a performer in you, Alex. There, there probably is. Probably. Um, well, <laughs> my God, are you serious? Anyway, of course there okay, is. Okay, okay, but uh, but I live but you for can't, it. You can't. And I, I think I think that's it. the same thing with me. I'm thinking, I'm 53. I, I mean, come on, don't yeah. you? But it's, see, and it goes back to Laurie's book about the. It's the stories that yes. someone that inner critic or whoever is telling you. Oh, you can't do that. You're yeah. so old. It's it's over. And the fact is, it it's isn't. Not. And it doesn't need- matter what it happens or what it turns into. No. Again, it's coming back to doing it. Absolutely. Because that's the here and now and being mm. in the present. Mm. And that's what makes, I can't tell you how much happier it makes no, me. No, I, I totally get that. And I you totally feel, get I mean, that. I might probably be the same about yeah. dance as well. Oh, my God. I just couldn't imagine not doing it. Mm. I couldn't imagine. And there's a couple of girls in our group who are um, in their later 50s. Well, there's no discussion about stopping. Yeah, no, no, no. no. We just no. continue. Yes, you know? yes. And they're really good. They must have amazing. Yeah, they do. Was jazz, Posture. so it's a bit more sexual now. <laughs> now I'm older. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, I hope you don't mind me saying that. Yeah, yeah, it was not sexual at all. You know what I mean? It's but just dance that- is. Well, it was not, it's not. It's not that it's sexual. It's just that back in the day, in the eighties, I was not allowed to do jazz because it was it was too sexual. Alex, that's so ridiculous. Sad. But dance is sexual. Well, it's it's moving you can't body and yes. lycra you know, and to music. Responding, it's incredibly freeing. Yeah. It's incredibly uninhib- uninhibiting. It's just fabulous. Anyway, so would we recommend this book? Totally. Oh I think it's God. an essential. Actually, it I would is put it on your bookshelf because it, it is useful. essential. I, I would put it in the same when category you're going as crazy, go and um, I think. Mm. It's different to me. Mm. I actually got different things out of phosphorus. Yeah, you, than you, I, did. I didn't. I mean, I, yes. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I, loved it. I think it's a great book. But yeah, um, this is adding something very unique and helpful it is and to if you're, the human conversation i agree and if you're toying with the idea of going to see someone oh, this would be a right. great yes, please, great please, first please. step actually yes it really would definitely, be definitely yeah. definitely no it definitely. really would be it's really would be so yeah we absolutely recommend this book we totally. love it we yep. insist that you read it absolutely a big thank you to the gorgeous Mandy for being my book club pal this week. It's just always such a joy to have a chat with a kindred spirit. And um, when you're talking about such an amazing book, it is just a pure delight. So thank you, the lovely Miss Mandy. Apologies as well for the abrupt conclusion. We had a little bit of a, a tech fail, so uh, that's why uh, there was no actual wrap up. But one thing I did want to mention was the comments of two uh, lovely uh, ladies 
those who are part of our book club. The first one is Brooke from Brooke's Bookstagram. So Brooke actually works in the social work field and her biggest takeaway from the book was how powerful it was for Laurie to actually share her own journey of getting help and going to therapy because she believes that there can be a lot of stigma about mental health professionals actually seeking out support. And she believes this book actually plays a really important part in breaking down some of the barriers regarding reaching out and getting help. And, you know, that's a great perspective, Brooke, because I don't I don't work in the field, I had never thought of that. So I can see why that would actually be really powerful. And the other lady who um, recently read the book, who has some great insight to share, is Meg's Goodreads on Instagram. Um, And Meg actually made the point that this book made her laugh a lot and cry and think and reflect and ponder and, uh, and the list goes on and on, but she gave it a 10. And, you know, Meg, that was exactly my experience as well. One minute I was laughing and the next minute I was crying because it made me feel on a very, very deep level. So um, glad that uh, someone else had a very similar experience. Another exciting note, I'm about to release um, in a few days the list of what we're going to be reading up until the end of 2020. So look out for that list. There's a couple of really interesting books. There are some books that are very much of the moment. We've got Untamed by Glennon Doyle in there. We've got American Dirt, um, as suggested by many people, but in particular, the lovely Rachel Mann. So we've got a lot of really good stuff we're going to cover. And we will be sticking to the fortnightly um, timetable because I think that just is a little bit more sensible. But um, as always, love to hear your feedback and your comments. And if you did have a minute to pop onto wherever it is you listen to your podcast and give us a review and a rating, I would be very grateful. So lots of love to everybody. Thank you again for listening. And I look forward to catching up next week. 